Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast. I am so excited that you're here today, and I have a really great guest for you. Her name is Chantelle Allen, and I met Chantelle a while back when I was invited to go to dinner with a bunch of life coaches. Now, I am not a life coach, and I was a little nervous to go to this dinner, but Chantelle and the other amazing women who were there, they welcomed me in, and I loved getting to know them and talking about all the great things that we got to talk about. So Chantelle is a mom and a wife, and she's also, like I said, a certified life coach. She's passionate about offering encouragement, inspiration, and motivation to others through her business and her podcast, Find Your Beautiful You. So welcome to the podcast, Chantelle. Thank you, Darla. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so let's just dive in and talk about you as a mother. So I know you have four kids and you told me that they're 12 to 8. So four yes. kids, 12 to 8. Like that's pretty close time span to have kids. So tell me the good things about having children close in age and then tell me some of the challenging things that you've experienced with that. Okay, so yes, I have four. So my oldest is a daughter. I have a daughter that's 12. I have a son that's 11. I have a daughter that is nine and then a daughter that's eight. So they are very close together. I think some of the the good things are that they are so close together. So they're kind of like made best friends. I mean, that's just kind of how we look at them. They're, they're their best playmates. And then there's always the downside of like, they're their worst enemies at times too, which comes with any kids, of course. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. Um, some of the negatives, and I couldn't think of too many because I sat there thinking about this. I was like, I don't know what the negatives are, but I think the hardest thing has been having them always think everything should be equal. Like they always mm-hmm. think because they are so close in age, you know, when my oldest, we gave her a phone, they all thought, well, it's my turn to get a phone as well. You know? So it's been like those things or having a friend come over and have a late night. My other kids all think that they should be able to have a late night. So it's just been that fairness game of having those kids all close together. But overall, I absolutely love having them so close together. And we kind of go through like the stages of childhood all together really, really quickly. And then we get to move on to the next stage together. So it's kind of fun that way too. That's a good way to look at it, that you're moving on to different stages and not, Yeah, I mean, you know, every motherhood story has its own challenges and its own things. And, and, um, I think that's a great way to look at it though, that you're just moving together, having those seasons. That's, that's really great. Well, thanks for telling us a little bit more about your family. Um, one of the things that I've had a lot of guests talk about, not a lot, but some have talked about thoughts and how, and I know that, that that's something that you talk a lot about too on your podcast and in your work as a life coach, how changing your thoughts of motherhood can change everything. So mm-hmm. I would love to know, I mean, were you just, you just came that way to motherhood? Like you already knew all of this or <laughs> was this something that you learned over time? And if so, how did you learn about how, what your thoughts and what that means in motherhood? So no, I wish I had known this. <laughs> I figured you were going to answer that way. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, this should be, you know, maybe something that they teach us maybe in the hospital or something when we're leaving <laughs> with our kids, <laughs> how to think a little bit better, but no, I didn't learn this. I actually learned this by accident. Um, I think parts of me had always heard versions of this, especially in church. We hear, you know, how you can think better thoughts and you can choose to be happy 
and we've heard about like affirmations and vision boards, but I just had never really taken to it and I really didn't understand the concept of it. But I remember listening to Jody Moore. She's a, another life coach and she has the Be Bold um, podcast. And she had this one podcast that I was listening to, and it was probably one of the first ones I had ever heard, but it was talking about solving any problem. And she went over the model that she teaches. And it's what I actually use now. It's kind of the thought model. But the foundation for that was learning that all of your suffering doesn't come from your kids or from other circumstances or from you know, them not listening to you or whatever else is going on, which is what we tend to think. It's actually coming from your thoughts. And I remember hearing that for the first time. I was like, there's no way. Like, no, my kids are making me upset. You know, they're not listening to me. My house is a mess. No, that's like the fact. And that's what's causing my problems. And so I had a tug of war with it for a while. But as I've played with it and I've practiced with it, it has become everything. So now I look at like, if my house is a mess, it's just a circumstance. The problem is my thoughts about the house and what's going on. And so I've just learned by watching my brain and my thoughts that I was creating my own pain, my own pain in that time. And it's just taken practice. And that's kind of what I help my my clients do is it just takes time. I think sometimes when we learn that our thoughts create our problems, we want to just like switch and everything is great, but it just, it takes time. But no, I can focus on more of my thoughts and the way that I want to think of things better in motherhood. I don't focus on the nitty gritty or the problems in my house. I now focus on the good thoughts that I want to have around motherhood and about what's going around. Okay. So you found Jody Moore's podcast. I am the same way. She's the one that helped me to start thinking about thoughts and, and I love all the things I've learned from her. So how would you compare motherhood from before you started having, I, I don't want to say thoughts about thoughts, <laughs> but before you started learning about your thoughts and how much they matter in motherhood, how would you compare motherhood before that and to, to now when you know you have this information and this knowledge about your thoughts? Oh my gosh. I even explain the difference. It has truly changed my entire life because before I used to be unhappy and I would blame my unhappiness truly on everybody else. Like I had a sister-in-law that I was always having problems with. And I was like, if she would just change, everything would be better. Or if my kids would just behave, I would be happier. And I was always waiting for the next stage of my kids. Like, oh, this, this stage in my life is so hard right now. I'll just wait till the next stage in life. And then it'll be so much easier. And now I understand that nothing has to change. And I can enjoy exactly where I am. The circumstances don't have to change. And it's truly all within my control. And that's like what is so absolutely crazy is that whatever you truly want to have happen in your life just comes down to your thoughts. And like if you choose to think the thoughts that are going to create that for you, anything is possible. It's, it's truly mind-blowing once you truly grasp the concept of how powerful our thoughts are. So you've gone through a big change then because you were yes. thinking if only, you know, these things would happen, then I could be happier, then, you know, my life would be better to, to where, you know, now you can just make any situation work. The circumstances mm -hmm. are just the circumstances and it's just how you think about it. So yeah. one of the things you mentioned to me when we were prepping is that you do a thing called a thought download. Mm -hmm. So I would love to know what that is and how can another mom implement that if they're going, okay, I want to know more about this. How can they use that tool in their life? 
Okay. I love the thought download. It's probably one of my favorite tools, especially just to gift it like everybody. I wish, well, truly, I mean, there's a way to get this out to everybody, but I don't know if everybody's heard of the Marie Kondo effect. It's a new Netflix craze that's going on. <laughs> if you haven't heard it, you might not. I don't know where you've been. <laughs> yeah, <Right>. seriously. <laughs> so this is like the perfect timing of this show, though, because it's it's so such a good analogy for our thought downloads. So I'll just give a brief synopsis of the Marie Kondo. But basically, this Japanese lady goes into these houses that are just full of stuff. And their closets are full, their kitchens are full, and it's just causing the families a lot of tension and problems. And they just know there's a lot of clutter in their minds as well because of the clutter in their homes. And so Marie goes into their homes and has them start decluttering. And the first step that she has them do is to go into their closet, take out all of the items and put them in one big pile on the bed. And then she has them individually take each piece off and then look at it, examine it decide if they like it. And if they don't, then they decide to get rid of it, say thank you for it. And then they move on to the next piece. And so I love this because this is exactly like it is in our brains. We've not been paying attention to what's been going on in our brains. We, we think we know what's going on inside of our brains, but if you've had those nights where you've stayed up late and you can't get your mind to stop racing, it's because we have so many thoughts going through our minds at the same time. So the idea behind the thought download is you grab a piece of paper, you just turn on the timer. I usually recommend, recommend my clients to turn on like for five minutes and you just start writing because we need a dump. We need to get everything out of the mm -hmm. closet of your brain into a big, huge pile. Now there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's not like a, oh, you shouldn't write this or you need to edit that. We want to dump everything out. And the benefit of that is that you can see what's been going on inside of your brain. Because just like in those closets, sometimes you're like, I did not know I still had that. Or, oh my gosh, that's super embarrassing that I still have that. It's the same thing with our thoughts. Like, we don't know what's going on inside of our brains. So you just start writing for as long as you can. And even if you find that you, your brain goes, I don't know what to think about. I tell my clients to write that. I don't know what to think about because we got to get our brains primed and used to doing this, this whole exercise. And then once you're done with that, you can choose to do what we call like a model on it, which is just examining the thoughts that you have, or better yet, you can just tear it up and be done with it. Like the power alone of just writing all of your thoughts out is huge. It can bring so much relief to our minds that are feel so overwhelmed. And like, we have so much to do, get it on paper and it just kind of makes everything go away. It really helps. Yeah. So I that's love what that. I tell everybody to do. Yeah. I love that. And if you have some resources about how to do that, send them to me and we'll put them in the show notes. So okay, I do. Can, someone can look at that. Um, I love that, that, you know, our thoughts are so powerful. And I love what you said about, we don't always know what's going on in our brain. Like sometimes we have to get it out to be able to look and say, oh yeah, that's why this is happening. And that's why I'm feeling this way. And all of that. I love that. That is such a good practical tool that a mother can use because boy, do we have a lot going on, right? Yeah. We have a lot of, of thoughts to process and, and go through. Well, I want to, so I'm so glad that you shared that because I think that's something that is so helpful to so many moms, but I want to talk a little bit more about your story. Okay. And, and the things that you've experienced. And I know that one of the things that you, you told me that you had gone through was unexplained seizures. And this happened to you at a time when you had four little kids. We already talked about your kids are close in age and they were little when this happened. You had all these things going on. So can you tell me about that in your life? 
you know, that time of your life, what was causing the seizures? You know, what did you learn? What was God trying to tell you during that time? <laughs> yeah. So this was almost exactly five years ago, um, in March. So I don't know when this we're recording this in March. I don't know when this will air, but it was in March, um, five years ago, I was a preschool teacher at the time. I used to teach preschool out of my home for nine years, loved it. Um, and I was also cleaning the school. I was also a primary teacher with my husband. And honestly, I mean, I felt like everything was totally fine. There was still pressure of money and finances and some family stress, but I thought I was handling everything completely fine. I loved to stay busy. Um, I was working on projects all the time. But this one Sunday, I was sitting in primary and we were about to get up and we were being excused to go to our classes to teach. I stood up and something happened and I fainted. And I was able to come to pretty quickly, but there was people around there like, trying to help me out, figure out what was going on. They thought it was my, my blood sugar at the time. They thought something was wrong with that. So they were trying to give me something to help with that. And this is one way that I think God was helping me at the time, but in our stake, she happened to be just visiting for the day, but the stake leader was a nurse from the hospital in our town. She just happened to be there, was able to start helping me out. But I started having seizures in the primary room. They had to carry me out to the foyer and I continued to have grand mal seizures. And the second blessing at that time was there was a flight medic who happened to be in the building who had his trauma kit in his car. And he was able to run out to his car and grab his IV that he had with him. And they were able to start an IV for me and everything in the church. Um, but it was such a crazy time because having seizures is such an out-of-body experience. I remember having them. I remember watching everything running around me, but I had complete no control at all of what was going over me. And I could see the expressions on my husband's face. I could see it on, I mean, it was humiliating. It was scary. It, mm -hmm. was, it, was, it was horrible. So they took me to the local um, hospital. I live in a small town in Arizona. We don't have all of the means that they need to sometimes help us with our medical issues. And so they got me there and they knew they couldn't handle what was going on because they couldn't get my seizures to stop. So they put me on a flight to Phoenix the entire time I was seizing all the way there. Wow. And by the time they got me to Phoenix, um, I had had about 14 grand mal seizures by the time they got me there. They did all kinds of tests because they were thinking there was a tumor. They were thinking something was going on inside my brain. And they did all kinds of tests. Everything came back completely fine. And I think that to so many people would be like, that's such a great thing, but it didn't explain why I was having the seizures. So they did a couple more things with us. They, they kind of talked about my lifestyle and tried to figure out what was going on. And the ending diagnosis was just stress induced seizures. And to me, that was probably one of the worst diagnoses I could have because they couldn't even tell me what the stress was coming from. And I honestly, at the time, thought I was handling stress beautifully. <laughs> I thought, yeah. you know, me having preschool, I thought I was just doing everything right. Like what a good mom does, you know, stays busy and all that kind of stuff. So basically I said, if I didn't learn how to handle my stress, that I would more than likely have them again and also have heart attacks. And it was wow. devastating. Yeah. Cause I didn't have the answers. I did not know what I needed to change. I didn't know why this was happening to me, but I remember still at that time always going, God must have a reason for why 
this is happening to me. And I will tell you this, it took me several years. I mean, it's been five years, but it took me several years to even come to grips for why I truly believe I had those seizures at that time. I, every year around that time, I would have so much anxiety over it because it would Mm -hmm. take me back to that time. And I didn't still have the answers, but now I understand I didn't know how to handle my emotions. I understand I was resisting the stress in my life and my body couldn't handle it anymore. And that is why the stress came out. And so it has led me on this path to being a life coach because I can see if I can teach other women how to handle their emotions instead of just resisting it and saying everything is totally fine all of the time, they won't have to go through that same experience that I had to go through. So now I feel like I'm just a vessel for Heavenly Father to be able to get this work out to so many people to help them understand that we can feel our emotions. We can have our bad days and we can have our good days and it's totally fine. That's like, that's part of the human experience, but I had resisted it. And that's why I had that experience. So, so, so you get out of the hospital and you come home. How did you know what to do? I mean, did they say, okay, you need to do X, Y, and Z? It doesn't sound like that was the case. So how did you figure out what to do and where to eliminate stress in your life? I, my husband, (laughs) he did a lot of it at first because he was more scared than I was because I was still very um, determined that I was not stressed. I was determined to prove them all wrong. So they took a couple of the things off my plate. I still taught preschool for another couple of years, but um, I ultimately knew I needed to change something. They didn't tell me what to do. Right. They, they tried telling me that I needed to go and do exercising. I was exercising every single day. I, they told me to change my diet. I thought I was eating pretty healthy. I mean, I probably could have eaten healthier, but the things that they gave me wasn't really something that I could see as being like the big change, the pivotal change that I needed. And honestly, it was a culmination of me doing the research and finding Jody Moore and kind of using those practical tips on myself. But at the same time, my son was going through something as well. And he was going through some major anxiety in school. You're trying to de-stress your life and then you have this major thing going on with your son. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So tell us about that. Yeah. So my son at the time, he, this was about the same time. He's always struggled with perfectionism. He is a huge perfectionist. Like if you would color outside in preschool, as I was a preschool teacher, outside the lines, he would hyperventilate, break down, freak out. Mm. And it was just devastating to him. And we saw it progressing through his school years. I mean, his teachers would tell me, Hey, we're kind of concerned, kind of gets a little bit anxious about this, this, and this, but he was, he's brilliant. He's like off the charts, brilliant. And the problem is, is he would get to a test and he would hyperventilate and shut down because he was worried he would get a, before even doing the test, he was worried that he wouldn't be perfect on the test. And so we knew he was holding himself back. And his teacher told me in one of the parent teacher conferences, you need to get this kid help or it's going to be problems for him later on. And so, yes, I was going through my thing of trying to figure out how to handle. Yeah. And now I have this for my son and I'm like, I'm passing down these same traits to my kids. It was such a big eye opener to me that I'm like, okay, we've got to figure this out as a family. And so I had heard a couple of these podcasts from Jody Moore and they were working for me. And so I was like, let's just try it on my son. And before this, I'll just say this, we did take him to a therapist and we did take him to get, try and do some medicine and different things. And I'm not saying those are horrible things. They just weren't right for him. They just didn't give him the coping skills that he needed 
that I felt he needed as an adult and to be able to use for the rest of his life. So we went ahead and I gave him a couple of the podcasts of Jody Moore. And yes, Jody Moore's podcast is meant for Mormon moms. And, you know, so the right. subjects are a little bit higher for him. And he was only seven at the time. So, but he still understood enough that it was everything. Like, yeah, light bulbs started to go off in his brain. He started to understand that his thoughts were the, what were creating his emotions, that the emotions weren't just happening to him and that he could control how he would react in those situations. And it just gave us hope. Like it gave us a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, Hey, like we have an answer that could possibly solve everything for him. And so, and he's, I mean, he's better. He's not perfect. Anxiety doesn't ever like go away forever, right. but now he has the tools that he's like, okay, if I feel anxious now, I know what to do with it. And so that's the other reason why I feel like between my seizures, my son's information, what he went through. I'm like, this is my calling. Like I see what it's done for me. I've seen what it's done for my, my son. I need to get this out to as many people as I possibly can, because all of us suffer with versions of this in our lives and right. we all could benefit from these tools. I, lo I love, I, I mean, as a person hearing you tell this story, I can see how God was just weaving everything together in your life. Yeah. You know, yeah. he gave you these experiences so you knew what to do to help your son. And, you know, mm -hmm. you were going through similar things. You could relate with him, you know, all of these things. And now you're able to help other people in, in similar situations. I, I think that is such a remarkable way that God works in our lives. Yes. But when you're right there in the moment, I mean, I have a son that suffers from anxiety as well. And, you know, for us, it came out really strongly when he started hitting puberty and I felt helpless. It was like the first time in motherhood, I was like, I don't have the tools to help my kid. Mm -hmm. I can't do this. And I had to rely on God to be able to, you know, and he has helped us and it's, it's, it's been great. And we've found like, just like you said, you know, you, you were led to the avenues that can help you in that situation. And I think that just shows how, you know, I talk all the time on the podcast, God's our partner in motherhood and he will help us. It just is usually not in the way that we think, right? Yes. Like he just weaves all of these experiences and these things, puts people in our path. Like, you know, you were talking about being at the church and having a seizure and the people that look at the miracles that were yeah. around you. The people were there that needed to be there to preserve your life. And he had a purpose. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. That, I think 100%. that is absolutely remarkable. I'm so glad that you shared that we're going to kind of shift gears here. I want to okay. talk about worth as a mother. So this okay. is a huge topic and I've shared about this before and it's resonated with a lot of people. So I really want to, I want to get your take on this. Okay. So how, how do you not attach your worth as a mother to the behavior that your children have? I think so many of us struggle with this and mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest. I used to struggle with this all the time and I, I still slip into this sometimes. I still find myself you know, attaching my worth and my success to my kids' success. Um, but we feel pressure to make our kids succeed. And we feel pressure because if someone comes up to us and is like, oh my gosh, your kids are so smart. You're so well-behaved. And that gives us like that boost and validation of like, we're doing something right. And then when we hear, oh, they're failing in school or they've done something wrong, then we also take that hit of like, we're doing something wrong. But what I have learned is our worth doesn't come from our kids because if you think about our worth in general, we are all hundred percent worthy. We are all hundred percent lovable. Our heavenly father didn't make any one of us less worthy than the next. And if we truly grasp that, like we learned that in church, but it's like, 
it's kind of like one of those, like, yeah, I get it. We're all worthy. We're all hundred percent, you know, lovable, but we can truly grasp that. Then it seems like everything seems to fall into place. So as far as like tying our worth of motherhood to our children, I now look at it as our kids are going through their own class. We have them on this earth as we're kind of like their teacher. And I guarantee you the teachers don't tie their worth to their students' grades. They just kind of help them individually, give them the guidance, give them the tests. And then those kids get the grades based on what they are doing in class. And so I look at our kids and I say, if they're going through something, they're struggling, they're failing in class, that is their class that they're supposed to take. They need to pass that class by doing it 100% on their own. And I can guide them, but I can't take the class for them. And that's all based on them. And that has totally helped me. And so when I see them, you know, do something wrong, I'm just like, man, that stinks that they're signing themselves up for that class. Because I know I've done the best that I can to teach them. I've taught them the values. I've taught them what's going on, but I can't control them. We can't control our kids 100% of the time. And we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to, our heavenly father didn't send us down here to be like, make sure this kid doesn't ever make a mistake, you know? Well, and there was a, there were two plans presented, right? Before we came to earth. And one of them was to control us. And we know that was Satan's plan. And you know, that's not the plan we want to follow as parents, right? We want to follow the savior. Yeah. And we do that. We sometimes will forget that whole side of it, you know, we're thinking we're supposed to make our kids perfect. And when they do something wrong, we're like, oh, I failed as a mom. But now we need to shift gears and just be like, no, they're just doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They are making their choices. And the best thing that we can do is just show up as our best version of ourselves for our kids, be the guidance, be the love that they need to fall back on when they are making those mistakes and not just make it the end of the world when they make a mistake. Yeah, that's so good. Don't tie your worth to what your children are doing. Because one of the things I always like to think of, how I like to think of it is if you are trying in motherhood, you're succeeding. Yes. You're a success. If you are trying, you know, if you're listening to a motherhood podcast because you want to do better, you're succeeding. If you are trying to love your children the best way that you know how when they get home from school or when they have a problem, you're succeeding. That's success. It's not based upon, you know, how good of grades your kids have or, you know, what, what they're doing, um, in a sport or any of that, none of that it's, or if they don't follow what you have taught them. I mean, a lot of moms face that, that, you know, their child does not choose to do the things that they have taught them in their home. And a mom cannot tie that to her worth. She has tried and she has done what she can do. And it, it's okay. They, like you said, they signed up for that class. They're, they're going along that way. I, I love that message. And I think, I think that's something that we need to hear a lot more yeah. as mothers that, that we really, you know, we are worthy and we can do our best, but our kids are also worthy and they can choose what they want to do. Well, and I think on side of that is making sure that we're defining success for ourselves within our control, because I find right. so many times that moms define their success based off of their kids' success, you know? Right. If my kids are happy, if they go on a mission, if they get married mm-hmm. in the temple, right. then I've done something right. And you're going to be let down because that's yeah. out of your control. So the way that we can be even better about our worth is just knowing that we can define success for ourselves as, I just love my kids unconditionally. Yeah, I have taught them the values that I know that I want them to have. I've taught them about how to, their brains work and how they can think and how they can you know, respond in different situations. But how they respond is on them. So success is just something I can control and that's it. 
that made me think of what's the number one thing that you can control as a mother what you can give your kids and that's love mm-hmm. you know yes. love so if you can say my kids are doing whatever but mm-hmm. i love them and mm-hmm. i'm giving i'm showing them love and i'm a place for them to come and then that that's great you've you've done what you need to do yeah exactly yeah i love that thought thank you so much for sharing that mm-hmm. well this has been great but we are out of time and i <laughs> I have loved talking to you about all of these different things, your experiences and thinking about thoughts and our worth as a mother. This has been so great. But I want to ask you one final question, and that is, how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? I love this question. And I love how you have every single person answer this question. So I love it. So, I mean, we've kind of talked about it like nonstop today, but I truly feel like he has a plan for us. And when we become mothers, I think sometimes we forget that there is a plan that he has set out for us. And we sometimes feel alone, but it is in our trials. It is in our difficult children that I do find him so present in our lives. And I think that they are put in our lives, the trials and our difficult children and whatever else is going on in our lives are put there so that we do remember that Heavenly Father is there as our partner, because we have to fall and, and, ask for his guidance and his help. And I just know that I am always falling on him all of the time as a mom, because I'm constantly having different questions and different situations that come up that I'm like, Hey, what do I do? How do I handle this? And I know he's my partner. And that's, what's so awesome is I can just, no matter what I'm doing, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm going through, I can just turn to him in my heart, in my mind, whatever, wherever I'm at. And I just know that he's going to give me the guidance that I need to, to raise my children the way that he wants them to be raised and to be the mom that I know that I can be, but also with his help. I love that. I love how you can express that you rely on God, even though you have a lot, you've figured out a lot of things, right? On your own and you're, you're doing all these great things, but you still need him. And I, I love that. Thank you so much for being willing to share your knowledge and your experiences with us. I'm really grateful. Thanks. I appreciate it. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.